Mastermind.fm is proudly sponsored by LiquidWeb. While LiquidWeb has been best known as a managed hosting company with tons of options, it's also designed a managed WordPress offering that is perfect for mission-critical sites. If you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, LiquidWeb is the partner you've been waiting for. Now with Visual Compare, at first in the managed WordPress space, automatically updates your plugins. Each night we take a snapshot and visually compare the difference between each plugin. If there's no visual difference, we update the plugin for you. If there is a visual difference, we hold off updating that plugin and wait for your direction. Every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer also has iTheme Sync integrated into their management portal, allowing them to update several sites with a single touch. And if you sign up today using the discount code MASTERMIND33, you'll get 33% off for the next six months. Visit liquidweb.com forward slash managed WordPress to get started. Hello everyone, welcome to Mastermind.fm. I'm here with Andrew Faruja, who's a good friend of mine, an athlete, and we'll be talking about fitness. This is going to be a three or four part series, depending on the material that we have to cover. And right off the bat, I'm gonna start off by asking you to submit your questions. And the main aim of this is to help you get back to fitness or get into fitness, get healthy. So we want to know what challenges you're facing so that Andrew can reply to those challenges and hopefully we'll be able to find a solution for all these issues that you might be having. So let's start off by introducing Andrew and learning a bit about who he is, where he's from and what he's doing. Hello John and thanks for having me on your podcast and um, it is my pleasure to be here today. First off I would like to say uh, that I've known John for many years now. We used to be classmates during secondary school in Malta. I'm very lucky to have him as a very good friend of mine. We've worked together on my blog over the past years. And thanks to him, I'm actually working part-time on fitness, which is my life's biggest passion. On the side, apart from being a fitness enthusiast, as John said, I'm also competing in natural bodybuilding um, for the past eight years. I'm national champion of Malta and the men's physique category in the short class. That has been something for the past three years and I've also placed top 10 in the, at the European Championships in the same class. However, I haven't always been practicing fitness um, as in I grew up as a sprinter. I was a sprinter for from the age of seven years old until I was 24, um, at which point due to a number of recurring injuries I had to find another sport because athletics wasn't giving me the satisfaction that it used to give me during my earlier years. Apart from my passion for fitness, I'm also an accountant by profession. I've worked for three years as an auditor with one of the big four firms. Then I moved on to a private marina where I worked as an accountant and then CFO, after which I, I took a gap year where I, I traveled to Australia to further my knowledge in fitness and obtain the qualification as a personal trainer. I've also done uh, quite some traveling while there, visiting New Zealand and Southeast Asia. After which I came back to Malta and uh, my previous employer offered me a new role as COO, which I have been doing for the past year. So that is basically Andrew in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> so you're quite the role model for me for different reasons. And uh, I want to like, share this with our audience because I think 
you not only managed to nail fitness to such an incredible degree, but you also managed to combine it with a very uh, demanding role in your work. So I think we'll have time to address the work-life balance issue that so many people talk about. But I would like to also highlight the fact that you not only are successful as an athlete and in your job, but you also have experience helping people get started in fitness. And you do this mostly through your mirror-friendly brand. So I guess you should also talk about how you help people start off or improve their goals. Yes, thanks, John, for that. My blog is uh, called Mirror Friendly. Through my blog, I managed to reach out to many people who, who come from different spheres of life. I've got a few clients who just uh, started off practicing fitness or are leading a sedentary lifestyle and they required help into starting um, their journey through fitness and healthy living. On the other hand, I've, I've also clients who have been uh, doing fitness or exercising for a number of years, but needed guidance on how to take their body to the next level. So uh, that is another kind of client which I have. And then finally, I've, I've got clients who, who take fitness pretty seriously and have decided to compete in their sport. So I actually prepare them for their competition or, or even photo shoots for those who are into um, uh, fitness modeling, for example. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So that's just to show that you have been working with uh, a number of different kinds of sports or fitness enthusiasts and also people have had no idea of how to be healthy after all. So let's make this interesting. Let's say somebody who's totally sedentary, is just working all day on his laptop and, you know, because his doctor told him or he just decided to get healthy and he comes to you, you know, looking for advice. Where would you start off from? Right. So the first question would inevitably be to rate their motivation for change on a scale from zero to 10. Hmm. I find that many people leading a sedentary lifestyle would answer between the brackets of, let's say, five to seven. And uh, let's take a, a person who, who says, okay, he's on a scale from zero to 10, his motivation for change is uh, in the range of five to six. And I would ask them, okay, what would it take for you to say it's seven or eight? Their answer would particularly, it can be that for them to answer seven rather than six, it would uh, their doctor to say, listen, if you continue this way, you're going to have to face uh, physical repercussions in, uh, in, let's say, the next few years. That would be a, a flag for them. You know, sometimes it would take that kind of extreme uh, measure for them to be able to realize how bad of a lifestyle they're leading. Otherwise, they could also say, okay, my partner wouldn't find me physically attractive anymore. And that would be another flag. So you have to determine at what stage their motivation is because uh, it is useless for me to try working with someone whose motivation is low or not high enough um, to be able to generate change in their life. So that's step number one. Very interesting. So this is something I wouldn't have expected. I would probably dive right into it, but it's good that you monitor the motivation because I think one of the biggest problems is that people like make the New Year's resolution kind of thing, no? When they start training very vigorously for one or two weeks and then it just falls off and don't do anything again. 
So, uh, okay, take us forward from there. Right. So once uh, I determine or identify a material um, motivation in the client, then I would move on to determine their goals. So finding a smart goal, so to speak, smart and being a mnemonic for specific, measurable, achievable, um, the R stands for relevant and T for time frame. So what do I mean with a smart goal? It has to be a goal which um, is relevant to the client in front of me. It is useless to choose the goal myself. It has to come from the client because otherwise the success will not be as expected. So apart from uh, determining the goals that are relevant to the client, I generally ask the client to go through their lifestyle, their routine, in order for me to be able to determine the smallest change that the client should affect in their life, which leads to the biggest change, because this is the most probable way of achieving success. So the smallest change, which leads to the biggest success. I am not someone who is into achieving uh, very fast results only for such results to be nullified after a few weeks. I am more of a lifestyle coach. I like my clients to be able to change the way they look at eating, they look at exercise, and only through this way one can achieve long-term changes. You know, it's, it's all about the lifestyle. I hate using the word diet, for example, mm-hmm. because um, diet is too short-term. It has to be the way of eating, for example, the way of exercising. So it's not a diet or it's not a training, just a training program. It has to be a lifestyle change. So, for example, let's say um, someone who has never done any exercise and is spending Mm -hmm. all day sitting down. It is useless for me to try and say, you have to train every day, go to the gym for two hours a day. Obviously, the client might do it for a week, but it leads to burnout, you know. So, it's determining where the client comes from, their history, and the way forward. So, with such a client, for example, I would start by something very easy, baby steps. So, for example... 20 minutes every two days, every other day of walking, you know, mm-hmm. and that's it with respect to exercise and with respect to food. I wouldn't even ask them to change any food. I would try to tell them to take a breakfast, lunch and dinner just mm-hmm. just to have these three meals and try to have them say between uh, X hours and X hours so that they'll start building discipline slowly. As I said, it's baby steps. So every week trying to improve on the previous week. So basically, that's the main takeaway from your question. Right. And I get the feeling that measurement, apart from motivation, is also a very important aspect in how you deal with your clients, right? That's right. That's right. Um, one has to be able to track improvement because it will be more uh, of a visual thing for the client rather than just an abstract progress, you know? Particularly for people who work on laptops and work with numbers, you know, using numbers is a very powerful tool. Mm-hmm. And do you recommend any programs? Because we're geeks, you know, we want to <laughs> <laughs> try out something new. To be honest, I use my own um, uh, Excel sheets with my clients, which mm-hmm. they can populate um, on their own and private. However, I'm sure there are many apps and you would be a better person than me to suggest to your mm-hmm. listeners. For example, my wife uses my fitness pal which I think you had recommended at one point. I see, yes. Um, with respect to my fitness pal, um, I use it to track my calories. 
So it is not a matter of uh, measuring progress, but just to measure my calories so that I know that by the end of the day, I add the right amount of proteins, carbs and fats, but not specifically to measure my progress. It's a way of measuring progress if you're eating unhealthily. That's right. Mm -hmm. It's a kind of making sure that you've been on a streak of eating healthy for, say, a month. That's very important personally, because I tend to go out a lot and, you know, when you're out or, or when you're abroad, you want to try out the foods of the country and you end up making silly choices. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And, and if you're not tracking it, you might like not understand what you actually ate during the past month and how it's affecting your goals and your current shape of fitness. So I find that a very important way, although I haven't been able to use my fitness pal consistently, to be honest, but my wife does a great job at that. I'm too lazy to measure every single thing I eat. But I think we must reassure everyone that you don't really require that from them. No? That is a very advanced um, stage mm -hmm. in healthy living. Um, for uh, this scenario we're looking at, sedentary lifestyle, someone who has never trained or someone who, who hasn't been training for a while and just starting his first steps into healthy living so uh, that would be something more advanced in the future. So this, this wouldn't be required of a client in, at this stage, in my opinion. And another question that many people have is how big of a role does food play in getting healthy versus training? People just may, might imagine that you have to train two hours a day to become healthy when actually food is a very huge part of the deal, right? That's a very good point, John. From my experience, because I, I am uh, specializing in body composition, so whether someone wants to lose fat or whether someone wants to build muscle, sorry, food is very, very powerful in that um, I can almost say that food represents between 70 and 80% of the way you look. Mm. So just just by changing your food habits, you can see big results, even though one doesn't exercise just by changing food one can see big results and why is this so because uh, believe it or not the way we look is uh, all a matter of uh, a formula which is calories in against calories out you know when we exercise we might burn um, let's say in an hour a good 400 to 500 calories but those 400 to 500 calories, we can eat them in a matter of, of a few minutes, you know. So actually, you can uh, nullify an effort at the gym in a matter of minutes, just like I said. So food is essential. It is paramount that in order for one to be able to achieve the, the look that they want, they have to have their food on point. Um, because otherwise, it's, it's going to be very hard. What are the most typical mistakes that people make with food, especially like beginners or people who are not really paying attention to their food and healthy lifestyle? Right, right. So number one is portion size. Since it's all about calories, double the portion is double the calories. So it is very important to restrict calories, to restrict portions to the appropriate size. So I would suggest in order for one to be able to hit the right calories by the end of the day, I'm not talking about to the very calorie, but approximately to spread their food intake between breakfast, lunch and dinner and two snacks. So one between breakfast and, and lunch and one between lunch and dinner. So that way, by the end of the day, 
you would be able to give your body the food that it requires. So this is uh, one thing. So the second thing would be too much sugar as opposed to too much fat. Mm -hmm. You know, sugar is the primary driver to fat increase. And uh, it is uh, amazing how much sugar a lot of our our daily foods uh, contain. For example, I've seen photos mm -hmm. where you could see the different um, sodas or for yeah. different beverages. I'm sure you've seen that, John. Yeah, yeah. And I will try to include it in the show notes as well. It is a very powerful picture and uh, it's incredible how much sugar soda has, even milk, for example. Mm -hmm. Even, for example, uh, beverages which people believe as healthy, let's say iced tea. They say, oh, iced tea, it's better than soda. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of iced teas have a lot of sugar in them. And, you know, it's, it's just like eating a plate of pasta sometimes when you drink one of them. So unfortunately, people do not know or are not aware of how much sugar they're, they're consuming over the stretch of a day. Even, for example, the so-called healthy cereals, mm -hmm. they're packed with sugars. So my advice would be, before buying a product, always check the ingredients label. Do not just stop at the name of the product. For example, I don't know, fitness cereal, you know, but it could mean anything, fitness cereal. You know, you just have to read the ingredients. And if the first three ingredients contain anything sugar, then it is not a healthy, healthy food. So stay away from it. Hmm. That's uh, very interesting. And with regards to the size of breakfast, lunch and dinner, is there a particular meal we should be focusing on that should contain the bulk of our nutrients for the day? Um, let's say breakfast, lunch and dinner should be typically of uh, the same size. So let's say an, a, a typical plate, which is not so... <laughs> you know, I love to eat, you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what a small portion means. <laughs> a plate which is not overflowing, let's call it. Let's, call, <laughs> let's say it that way. <laughs> We're both from Malta, and uh, <laughs> I, I'll try to put a, an image of a Maltese plate of pasta, if I find one. <laughs> it's quite a big portion. So I yeah. think we must maybe make some guidelines on what is a normal healthy portion. Is it like the size of a fist or what? Yep. So let's say uh, we look at a plate mm -hmm. and the circumference of a plate. And let's say you need to have the basically three or four main things. So a protein, mm -hmm. which can be meat, um, which can be fish. For the vegetarians, it can be, for example, lentils or... Uh, or quinoa or something else, you know, I'm not a vegetarian myself. So with vegetarians, it's a bit complicated to reach the amount of required proteins. However, let's talk about a person who is not vegetarian. So you've got the protein, so an egg, uh, meat, fish. Then you've got the carbohydrates, which is the body's primary source of energy. And the carbohydrate, we have to distinguish between the good and the bad carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Whereas the bad carbohydrates are the fast ones. That is anything sugar, anything from white flour. And on the other hand, you have the good carbohydrates, which are the whole grains. So again, quinoa, brown rice, sweet potato, barley, millets. There's, there's an array of whole grains mm -hmm. one could choose from. And then you've got the healthy fats. Again, the healthy fats are... Uh, for example, extra virgin olive oil, avocado, coconut oil. And we have to avoid, on the other hand, the, the unhealthy fats, which are the sunflower oils and, and the cooking oils. And a lot of the processed uh, foods actually contain 
then processed fats. They contain hydrogenated fats, we call them, and uh, in order to preserve their lifetime. So we have to avoid such fats. So let's say um, if we look at the plate, to go back to what, what I was saying, half of the plate has to be the carbohydrate. And let's say 30% of the plate has to be the protein and the rest, say 15 to 20% of uh, fats. So we have to be careful with fats because uh, they're the most calorific of the three that I mentioned. So we have to be careful. For, whereas a protein and a carbohydrate contain four calories per gram, the fats contain nine calories per gram. So I'm not saying we should avoid fats completely, but we should really control them. Because if we overeat fats, we can quickly um, increase our calories, exceeding our, our daily caloric requirement. What I did not mention was vegetables. Mm -hmm. So uh, on the side of these proteins, carbs and fats, we have vegetables which contain vitamins and minerals which are otherwise unavailable in the, in the other three foods that I mentioned. So that way would be covering our um, uh, daily requirements and we can take this approach for all the three main meals. Whereas on the other two snacks, they can be like half the portion of the three main meals. So if you keep that in mind, you'll be safe. So just to paint a, a better picture that's more memorable, let's say the lunch okay, or, or dinner. Let's say an example of what it might contain and the balance that you mentioned. So it might be maybe like a piece of salmon or chicken, like a chicken breast, right? Right, that's Then right. we can add some, some barley or couscous or what else you mentioned. Buckwheat, millet, sweet potato, quinoa, brown rice. Right. I would avoid the couscous as it is more of a fast carb rather than a slow one. Okay, and then we have the vegetables, the third element. The fats, the fats. And the fats? Okay, yeah. so fats might be what? Um, so extra virgin olive oil, and we're talking uh, the, in the range of a teaspoon, for example, which is mm -hmm. about 15 grams, or half an avocado, which is the equivalent of uh, right. um, approximately yeah, 15 grams of olive oil, or coconut oil, for example, mm -hmm. same measure. Plus the vegetables, right? Yes, and the vegetables um, can be a good 100 grams on the side of cooked vegetables, can be marrows, aubergines. Whichever way you want to cook them, it can be grilled, baked, what have you. So on the topic of this food, um, I think it's also very important to make a note about how the food is prepared okay, and where we get this food from, because I don't think it's the same having one of these microwaved packages that we find at the supermarket compared to saying buying all these types of produce fresh and cooking it yourself. So what can you tell us about this kind of comparison? That's right. Um, so I would avoid anything which is packaged, prepackaged. Of course, everything comes in a package, but uh, I mean, prepared uh, foods, I would avoid them because they usually contain preservatives, which the manufacturer adds in order to increase the lifespan of the, the product. So go for um, uh, anything which is uh, standing on the shelf in its original form and cook it yourself. You'll be seeing... Uh, a big difference than if you had to buy everything pre-packaged. And so for those who don't know how to cook, like me, how can we make it easy? Because obviously the first stumbling block would be cooking, right? Right. I would probably get lazy, not cook, and forget this whole idea of fitness. Are there any shortcuts that we can take? 
Right. Um, I am myself. I'm not a big, big chef. <laughs> so I, I still manage to, to look the way I do, even though I, I am not a big fan of cooking. So what do I do? When I cook, I go for simple things. For example, let's say chicken. Well, there's no big deal in cooking chicken. Just take a grill and, you know, stay by the chicken while, while it is on, on a grill and just turn it around a few times and, and it's done. I do not cook um, myself for every meal. So what I do is I cook for, let's say, two days. Mm-hmm. I take the portion that I need and I refrigerate rest in uh, well-locked um, boxes, you know, so that the air doesn't penetrate and the quality of the food remains tale quale. Mm-hmm. The same for uh, carbs, you know, I, I cook, let's say, brown rice or quinoa while I'm, I'm cooking chicken, for example, or meat. And it takes uh, 15 minutes boiling. And of course, you, you just need to either set a timer or just stand by it while it cooks so that you don't forget about it, just like a few times <laughs> I did. And uh, it's, it's done, you know. We, again, I take a portion that I need at the time and I refrigerate the rest. And exactly the same I do for vegetables. Um, the same thing, same process. With uh, fats, um, usually fats uh, do not need cooking. So, for example, extra virgin olive oil or an avocado is fresh, you know. So it is just, just the final touch on your plate. Right. So I definitely agree with that. And the few times I have tried to do something like that, I found out that it's not so difficult after all. So you should definitely give it a try before giving up. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's very simple. Yeah. Like I know a lot of us love gadgets, so... I would recommend, Andrew, I don't know if I've showed this to you, the Bosch Autocook, which is like a kitchen robot. It's basically very simple. You just put in the ingredients, close the lid, and uh, set the timer according to what recipe you're preparing. It's quite healthy in the way you cook, and it's also less hassle because you can also put in the ingredients, uh, let it cook everything on its own, and come back 40 minutes later without the risk of seeing all your water spilt over the oven and all this typical <laughs> mess if you leave food on its own. So that's something you could check out if you want like something to make it more fun. More efficient as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you're looking for an app for recipes and all this stuff, I found Fitman Cook. I don't know if you know about this, uh, Andrew. I think yes, I had yes, shown so. it to you once. So a friend of mine developed the app for... Kevin, who's the main guy behind the fitness part of it. It's a really great app, lots of good recipes. And, you know, like you said, most of them are very easy to make. They won't take you hours in preparing. And you keep the variations going by introducing some different ingredient from week to week. So things don't get boring. Now let's talk about breakfast because we talked about these typical lunch and dinner plates by the way between lunch and dinner is there something we should avoid at dinner time because i've heard a lot of avoid pasta avoid heavy stuff no um uh, you know timing isn't mm-hmm. paramount when it comes to food what is the most important thing is the amount of calories you eat over 24 hours so actually this is where intermittent fasting comes in and i know john that you've tried it for a period of time mm-hmm. intermittent fasting is actually based on this thought that it is all about uh, what you eat over 24 hours. So there are some people who prefer spending uh, the whole day eating nothing and then leaving all the calories for the evening. Mm-hmm. Maybe because they're busy as well. Exactly. So uh, it depends on the lifestyle. So you could, for example, this intermittent fasting is, for example, fasting for 16 hours mm-hmm. and uh, eating during the, the remaining eight hour bracket. 
but then one again has to be careful not to overeat during those eight hours because what happens is if someone is not used to this kind of eating pattern they would really be hungry by the time the 16th hour expires and they go on on a marathon of eating <laughs> which can easily lead to overeating so again um, in order to be able to properly maintain good health using intermittent fasting one needs to have a good idea of of how much calories they're eating during the eight hour bracket mm -hmm. again i said timing is not important of course it is not good to eat just before you go to sleep so always allow those two hours after dinner especially if it's just a snack it's okay you can go to sleep after a few minutes of a light snack but if it's a a pretty big dinner or the normal dinner even allow a good two hours to go to sleep so that your body can actually digest the food before laying down in bed you know mm. and how about those of us who you know sit down to see a movie at the end of the day or lay down to read a book and suddenly get this huge pang of hunger how do we deal with that what can we eat at that stage after we've already had dinner right right that is a very risky time for people who are trying to control their body weight and uh, their body fat levels I would suggest having a fist of nuts, for example, you know, mm -hmm. or say a protein shake or even an omelette, but nothing which is pre-packaged, nothing which is processed. Mm -hmm. And we have also forgot to mention the concept of mindfulness, which is very important. Before we get to that, because you mentioned something very important, the avoidance of pre-packaged foods. Because this is one moment where it would be really easy, you know, you're watching a movie, you don't want to have a break while you're other half weights until you cook a meal, you know. So yep. maybe that's that would be an ideal time to consume something that you've prepared earlier, as you mentioned before. So you can that's even right. boil some eggs, say, in the morning and always have a stock of two boiled eggs in the fridge. Correct me if I'm saying something stupid, but I, that's what I like to do, you know, have those eggs ready so that if I get the urge to snack, I'll find them ready, eat them and continue. That's right. An egg is a very safe food. Um, you're never going to overeat eggs because uh, after two, three eggs, you're going to feel full. Mm -hmm. So it is very satisfying and it is a healthy healthy food. So that's right, John. That's a very good point you made there. And uh, you are going to mention the point of mindfulness. And I would like to tie it in with breakfast because we haven't really dealt much with breakfast. Ah, yes. okay. And I think it's a very important part of the day because many people have lunch and dinner, but a lot of people do skip breakfast. And while you might be doing that because you're doing intermittent fasting, for most people, having a good breakfast is a good way to start the day on a positive note by being mindful and knowing what you're eating and maybe preparing something healthy to put them into a good mood as well. So why don't you talk about options for healthy breakfast and the concept of mindfulness? Let's start with options for breakfast. Mm -hmm. You basically can uh, take oats which is the staple for many people especially those mm -hmm. who lead a healthy lifestyle and oats are so versatile they can keep they can be consumed in a variety of ways either boiled in water or just um, chucked in the microwave even in a blended smoothie for example you know for those of you who do not really appreciate the taste of oats mm -hmm. you can uh, blend them in a smoothie with the fruit and for example protein powder they become really tasteless then Oats are very good to start the day with because they contain a lot of fiber, so they will regulate your appetite for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. 
However, if one wants to stay away from oats, either because of the taste or, again, I love the taste of oats, but I've met yeah. a few people who, who do not like it. I challenge them to try my recipe then. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. Well done for that. <laughs> Thanks. Do you have some recipes on your site too for oats so I can link them up? Yes, yes. You can actually share my YouTube um, recipe for the breakfast that I take, awesome. which is a porridge with frozen berries. And there's a step-by-step -step explanation of how to prepare it, yes. Perfect. Now, the second option for breakfast, for those who want to stay away from oat, for example, would be um, pumpernickel bread, for example. This is uh, the typical rye bread, which is a very, very tasty bread, in my opinion. This can be coupled with, for example, a boiled egg and some vegetables. So this way you're getting your carbs instead of the carbs from oats, you get them from this rye bread and uh, you have the, the protein from eggs and the fats from eggs as well. And you've got the vegetables on the side, which make for a very good breakfast. They can even couple it with a Greek yogurt, for example, or a, a cottage cheese. So while you're talking about the bread, is this, for example, I think I published the, my recipe for, well, it's, these are not really recipes, it's the way I prepare my breakfasts, the bread with salmon and avocado. That's excellent. Yeah, so we'll, we'll link that up as well. And I also have the Greek yogurt preparation as well, which I'll be linking up. And you, I think you are going to talk about that next. Yes, Greek yogurt is a very good mix of proteins and fats. Coupled with the rye bread that we're mentioning, makes for a balanced breakfast. And what about coffee, teas? Is this good right. at the beginning of the day with your breakfast? Yes, um, ideally one uh, doesn't consume more than three black coffees a day. Mm -hmm. However, it is important that one takes some form of tea, green tea, for example, or coffee, because this keeps the metabolism in check, you know, and, and it also helps to bridge between meals. It also keeps uh, appetite in check. I find that after a meal, I, many times I, I feel like eating something sweet, but just by having a coffee, I kill that craving, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I find coffee very effective in that respect. Yeah, I think we should also specify that not all coffees and not all teas are equal as well. I see a lot of people drinking instant coffee, which is not the same as consuming real coffee, you know? So Yeah, of course, of course, yes. It's important. Neither is this packaged coffee that you buy in the supermarket, maybe cold coffee, contains a lot of sugar, I presume, and the iced tea that you mentioned earlier, totally different from tea which you would brew with uh, loose leaves, for example. Definitely, definitely. Again, we go back to the importance of reading the, the back part, the ingredients of anything that you buy, because once you start doing this, you will be doing yourself a big favor. You're even educating yourself and this will pay off in the long run. Another trick I use sometimes, apart from the coffee, to close off your meal, kind of, especially for my afternoon periods. I usually tend to get quite, not really hungry, but I, I want to snack on stuff, you know, in the afternoon, during that mm -hmm. period of the day where it, things are kind of in a lull. So what I do is after I have lunch, I wash my teeth and that kind of closes off the lunch and prevents me from eating during the rest of the afternoon before it's time for dinner or the pre-workout snack. That's a very good hack, John. <laughs> I've done it myself <laughs> and it's very effective. I believe you are going to talk about mindfulness, which I'm also very yes. interested in. So curious about that. Right. And um, the reason why I mentioned mindfulness or what triggered me to mention it was you mentioning uh, watching a movie. Mm-hmm. 
it is during uh, these times while we're working or watching a movie when our when our mind is being alienated through something of the sort we usually snack on things which are at close reach without us being conscious of this fact and obviously when you're not conscious of what you're eating there is a very high risk you're going to overeat and what we're saying here is you're adding to the calories of the day and in order for such calories not to be harmful by the end of the day you would need to um, skip a, a meal because you've already taken your required calories so this never happens of course nobody's going to skip a meal after snack after nibbling for example but uh, i just want to show how nibbling is very dangerous when it comes to weight control because of the calorie aspect of it so whenever you're eating i would suggest to stop whatever you're doing and focus on the food this way your body can recognize the food easily more easily and uh, you'll be able to feel full more quickly yep like uh, i noticed that when i just swallow down the food and there's this i think it's scientifically proven that your brain takes around 20 minutes to realize what you've eaten so it takes time to realize that you're full i don't know if that's a myth or science but it works for me it is true it is true and i've noticed this also through my own personal experience sometimes after having dinner or, or lunch I'm like, oh, okay, I'm I'm still hungry. What what shall I eat? Even at a restaurant, this wasn't enough, for example. But then I just wait two three minutes, and that feeling uh, disappears. So so it is the fact that you're mentioning that it takes time for the mind to realize that you're full. So uh, do not just jump onto the next meal when you're done. Just wait uh, a few minutes, and uh, it could be that you're actually full. On the topic of mindfulness, you know that I'm really interested in such topics and meditation. One of the reasons I'm against, for example, instant coffee, apart from it being vastly inferior to real coffee, the fact that it's instant, you know, you, you can do it without even knowing that you brewed your coffee. So what I did was purchase one of these mocha coffee, coffee makers. And it takes five minutes to make a coffee, you know, just take the beans. I have a grinder, grind the beans, put them into the mocha and wait a few minutes. Even those three minutes of waiting until the coffee brews. First of all, there's a nice smell of coffee. There's the fact that you did something crafty. And if it's something simple, but you did something, you know, with your hands, you, you made something. And the fact that it forces you to stop for five minutes in the beginning of the day just gives you the time this this ritual when you can even call it a kind of meditation even if you don't have time to sit in silence for 10 minutes 15 minutes this act of preparing your coffee can be part of your morning meditation and again you can drink your coffee being mindful of it that you you prepared the coffee yourself from the beans that you selected that you grinded that you brewed and i think that's a very nice way to start off the day very valid point, John. I like the way you put it. Another hack that I, I just came to mind is that we should not be keeping unhealthy stuff at home. Because starting from me, if I have unhealthy stuff, no matter how much I'm into healthy eating, <laughs> I will um, find that moment of weakness and I'll just go attack the fridge or the cupboard and get those biscuits or crisps or whatever there is and I'll eat it. 
And that's the typical example that I mentioned earlier, watching the movie, you want something quick, you go grab the easiest thing, a packet that you can take back to the sofa and munch on while you watch the movie. That's right, John. Um, if you don't have it, you won't eat it. So that is the first thing that you should avoid, you know, buying the junk food, the bad food in the first place. All right. So I think in this first episode, we've focused a lot on food, which is, I think, a great start. And again, I would like our listeners, our audience, whoever is listening to this first episode to ask us questions, send in your questions related to fitness, health, food, lifestyle, and we'll try our best to focus in on these areas where you might be struggling. This is just the first episode where we kind of got a feel of what we'll be talking about during the rest of these episodes and highlighted some aspects of a healthy lifestyle, such as food, that you should be taking care of. And in the next episodes, we'll be talking more about the training aspect and some other advanced stuff, if you can call them advanced, like specific dietary things like supplements, vitamins, and all these things. The age issue, is it too old to start training? How to manage the work-life balance and make sure that our results are long-lasting? difference between men and women in training. These are all topics that we can cover in the next few episodes. But first of all, I want to make your questions a priority. So please do send in your questions and we'll be focusing on them in the next few episodes. Having said that, thank you, Andrew, for joining us and for sharing your expertise with us. Before we close this off, I'd like you to share where people can get in touch with you. Thank you, John, again, for having me. And I hope that's a our listeners will find some of our tips useful. For those of you who want to get in touch, I run a Facebook page, Mirror Friendly. I'm also on Instagram, same name, Mirror Friendly. Or otherwise, my email is info at mirrorfriendly.com. Excellent. So we'll be back with you, Andrew, in the next episode, focusing on fitness and health. Thank you. Thank you, John. Hope you found that interesting. If you're looking to send us a question, about this topic or any other topic that you'd like us to discuss on mastermind.fm please reach out on podcast at mastermind.fm you can visit our website mastermind.fm and also leave a voice message on our speak pipe there and we'll be able to you know uh, put that audio recording into our podcast and be able to answer your question so you can have different ways of reaching out to us the most important thing for us is that you Send us your questions so we'll be able to better create content that you want and thus everybody is happy. So that's it from me today. I'll be with you in the next episode of Mastermind FM. Till then, have a good one and see you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.